Hello, and welcome to the Legal Mind podcast from Lawcare. I'm Elizabeth Rimmer, the Chief Executive at Lawcare, and today we're joined by Stella Chandler from Focal Point, and we're going to be talking about banter. So, Stella, tell us who you are and what brought you here to talk about banter. Thanks very much, Elizabeth, for having us. So I'm Stella Chandler, the Director of Development from Focal Point. We're a management leadership consultancy that really specialises in helping organisations create inclusive and respectful workplaces. And that's what has led us to be very interested in the impact that banter has on people. So I'm delighted to have this opportunity to talk more about it. Great. So just to begin with, what is workplace banter? It's a word where we all hear, but I think it means different things to different people. So just give us a little bit about what banter is. And that is, that is a great question, Elizabeth, and you're spot on. Yes, it does mean different things to different people. I suppose if we just looked at defining it, we would probably say it could be you know, the humorous communication between colleagues can be what gets us laughing and that shared bonding between people. So on that point, it can be very positive. But as we'll talk, there can be another side to it as well. And what kind of role does banter have in workplaces? If you could just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at its positive best, as I was just saying, really, it can do a lot of good. It can give people, you know, shared things to laugh about and you know, bring some of those sort of barriers down that perhaps are there when people are just getting to know one another. So it can relieve tension. It can do lots and lots of good things. But, and this is what's got Tracy, my co-director, and I particularly interested in this area, those same jokes, those same things that can bring those barriers down can also easily put them up. So the kind of things we often, you know, we're wanting to help people decode what we actually mean by that word banter. When we get people to think about it, and there's things that people just don't appreciate, it can be the nickname that's given to somebody in a well-meaning moment. It can be the joke about something that perhaps didn't quite go right or something like that. The story where there's something, again, that's originally made people laugh. And in that instance, it has been good. But when it's gone on and it's repeated and it's referred to, and we get examples given to us where people are introduced to new colleagues or or others, you know, clients even, with a reference to some of these things, that's when we feel that that banter has crossed the line and it has started to have a negative impact on people. And of course, that's what brought you and I together originally, because then it starts to affect how we feel about ourselves and potentially our mental health as well. And it really doesn't need to be like that if we were to give it a little bit of thought. So banter in a way, then what you're saying, it can be you have a positive impact and a negative impact. So that positive aspect is is helping people feel like they belong and they're part of something and um, it contributes to the culture of an organization, but it can also be very excluding for people who are not part of the club, so to speak, or they're not joiners or they're outside the circle of the, the kind of the, the language that people use, the shortcuts, the in-jokes. You are absolutely spot on. And that's why in Focal Point, you know, when we talk to organisations about 
creating inclusive workplaces and often they'll you know they'll have a good policy they'll have good intention but they are not joining up the dots and that's a phrase we use a lot in our work they're not joining up the dots and being honest and looking at what is actually happening day to day hour by hour amongst team members and as I say for a lot of people, they just don't see it. They don't want to see it, I think, in some instances. But in the majority of instances, they just don't see the impact this can have when, yes, it's a good way of describing it then. It has become negative. Mm. And you're spot on when you talk about it. It excludes people. And people feel they're not in the joke or they are in the joke too much because they are the centre of that ongoing joke that's happening in that team. So just going a little bit more into about the impact that the the banter can have on people, you know, what how does it impact people negatively? What kind of feedback have you had from people about their experiences of banter where they felt they've they've been excluded from conversations? Well, I can draw on a piece of research that we did recently. And there were 775 people in the financial service that completed our our banter survey. And I just cannot get this figure out of my head. 97% of those respondents said that it had negatively affected them at some time, which is a huge figure. Now, some said not great. But they did say it had affected them. So it's 97% of those at some point. And a lot of those people were saying it had affected them, you know, really quite considerably. And this is what we need to look at and really understand this, because there are we've got the the impact on the individual, but we've also got the impact right down to the other line of all of this is, you know, the bottom line of a business. Because what people told us was that when they felt negatively impacted by the banter, they knew that they withdrew into themselves they didn't make contributions as much at meetings they didn't put forward creative you know that different what can be that wacky idea but it's the one that we really then can take forward they were less likely to do that and a third of the people that had responded and said that it had negatively impacted them actually said it had led to them looking for another job so when we look at organizations working so hard they talk about attracting talent. Now, I've always said this to people, you know, there's one thing to attract talent. The key thing is to retain it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're not joining up the dots sufficiently on all those points, right from the point of people's mental health, right through to the impact on the bottom line of businesses. We're just not seeing the impact that this can, you know, the banter can have when it has started to make people feel uncomfortable. And so really want to make that distinction. It can do a lot of positive, but it must be managed so as it doesn't end up having the negative impact that we see so often and we hear so often when we talk to people. I think that's a really interesting point around the retention of people within the workplace because currently in the legal sector there's what's being called the war on talent that it is difficult to recruit and retain people in your organization and at Lawcare we're very um, keen to be promoting the importance of a healthy workplace culture because that's what helps to build diverse and inclusive organizations and I can see that banter if it's uh, not managed effectively would contribute to a negative workplace culture that may some people, like you've said, effectively be silenced, where they feel they can't speak up or say something 
um, because they're not going, they're not part of the the in group or they're not going to be listened to. Um, just going a little bit more into banter. I mean, how can you tell the difference between good and bad banter? Uh, to put it very basically. <laughs> No, no, you're asking me really great questions. And, you know, something, again, you said earlier about it being different for different people. Of course it is. But the way I look at it and try and get people to think about it is that most of us have got an antennae that's tuned in to this kind of thing. And I think if your antennae flat, that this joke may have gone on a bit too long. And I think the more we're aware of this sort of thing as well, I certainly tune in nowadays and think when I hear somebody's got a nickname, is that a nickname that they really like? So I think it's about trusting that antennae and just checking. We always ask people as well to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Would you want that constant reference to something that has gone on? And, and the vast majority of people do not. Now, again, it's interesting. Um, and I'm, you know, I was going to say every, every situation is identical, but very often I've happened when I've asked somebody if they feel okay about their nickname or this joke that's going on, there's often, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. And then I will literally pick up those words and I say, really fine or something yeah and they'll say well actually no and you know I, I'm going to say nine times out of ten but I think I probably probably would be more like ten out of ten well I've actually said really said to people how do you feel about this and we strip back the layers it's not what they want so I think again coming back to your question if you're in a situation and you're just sensing, as I say, that joke has gone on a bit, or don't want to keep repeating myself, but you know, those kind of things, then just check it out. And again, one of the things that we do very much in the work that we do is give people tips and techniques as to how to stop that. People often feel reluctant to do that. They worry, well, am I going to be seen as the killjoy or the thought police or something like that? So they hesitate and step back. But actually, once they know, once they've sort of, you know, had that awareness raised, people are more confident to respond and say, when that antennae flaps and just step in and deal with something. And the answer, again, is, you know, if, if somebody has been made to feel uncomfortable and certainly uncomfortable for a prolonged time, then that's the point where the banter can no longer be described as good fun banter. It is to say has crossed that line and is now having a negative impact on people. I want to turn now to talking a little bit about the practical aspects for organisations and leaders about how they can be more attuned to banter and, and manage that in practice. Because in preparation for the this podcast you know I was I was reading that there's been an increase in employment tribunal claims related to banter they went up by 44 percent between 2020 and 2021 and that there's a danger that employers and colleagues will use banter as a defense to things that are said that are in fact are bullying harassment and discrimination and trying to pass this off as harmless consensual fun and this chimes very much with some research that Lawcare did last year. We did a, a study called Life and the Law, where we looked at the culture and practice of law and how that impacts the mental health of legal professionals. And we found that 21% of our respondents had experienced bullying, harassment and discrimination in the workplace. 
And we hear through our support channels, through our telephone helpline, day in, day out, from people working in the law who feel excluded and discriminated against and sort of microaggressions that take place in the workplace. So I think it's really important that we we delve into, you know, how firms and leaders and organizations can actually call out banter and, and do something about it. But just to sort of start this section of the discussion off is, you know, why is it hard for people to call out banter? Well, as I was saying just before, I think for a lot of people, first of all, they they worry that they themselves will get laughed at because they're not seen as strong. I grew up, um, I was on the civilian side of the Metropolitan Police, and I remember a phrase, you know, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, which in my very early days, I wasn't quite sure what it meant. Um, but I did realise this was when you weren't able to sort of cope with what was coming your way. And I look back on that now and I realise, you know, that was a lot of, you know, if you had that being joked about or teased you were expected just to just to go along with it so I think I think there's that I think there's a really interesting dynamic as well I don't want to try and become amateur psychologist here but well I have opened up these kind of conversations people have acknowledged that for a, a team leader if there's a joke going on and they are part of it that actually gives them that sense of being included in a team because it's something they're sharing with so I think there's there's a lot of those kind of things that are going on I think there is also and this is something that we need to recognize if it's a senior person and it often is who is leading that joke and that banter people feel less confident not I'm not saying that happens in all instances but less confident to sort of feel that you're asking the boss to stop joking about something I think there's that I think there's something that you mentioned earlier as well and I see this a lot in teams where there's a peer leader there's somebody that others for some reason you know that interesting thing about want to be seen as in their gang or thing if it's them that's the one that's leading this joke. Again, I think there can be a reluctance to do that. So I think there's a number of reasons. And when we run sessions and we encourage managers, I think one of the most impactful sessions is one where we actually open that question up. And we will say it in the sort of the, the sort of third person, what may, but what may stop us dealing with something? And then often people have said at the end of that session, they found that really helpful because those kind of things that they'd never felt okay to raise before, they'd actually shared that with colleagues and actually realised those are things that may stop us, can stop us, but shouldn't be. And again, that's when we love to see those dots joining because these are people that really do want to be creating those inclusive workplaces, do want to, of course, be retaining their talent, but just haven't stopped and seen all of this and actually see that impact, that negative impact that banter can make if not managed properly. As I keep wanting to say that because, you know, we don't want to stop people having fun. It's so, so important. You know, laughter's that tonic and all of that. But we do just have to make sure that we're alert and seeing where it is crossing those bound, uh, crossing those barriers, um, in, in uh, making people feel uncomfortable. I think that's a really important point, isn't it? It's about getting that balance right and recognizing yeah. the place that banter plays and building a sense of team spirit, a sense of belonging, part of something builds trust between individuals. But when it crosses that line, the negative impact that it has, and I think when you're talking about 
why it's difficult to call out banter. I think particularly in the legal profession, the law is still a very hierarchical profession. Uh, Many legal professionals struggle anyway to admit that say they've made a mistake or they're struggling. They find it hard to challenge um, and call out difficult behaviors in others for fear of that being a career limiting step. And I think the added uh, pressure where if you are witnessing or experiencing banter from a senior colleague, you will will find that very challenging in practice to actually do something about, which kind of leads me on to my next question, which is really from an organizational perspective, you know, what practical measures can workplaces take to prevent that banter crossing the line and actually create an environment where people can speak up, whether they're junior or senior, if that banter is making them feel excluded or uncomfortable? Brilliant. You've just sort of summed up really what I would say Focal Point's mission is in this area. And it is to create those environments where people can do that. And that's what we look to do. We look to facilitate teams, organisations discussing the impact. And the first thing, again, a couple of things we've talked about so far, is actually really just decoding what we actually mean by banter. Because banter is a bit of a a collective word. And as I say, once people have got some specific examples of what it is, then people are far more likely to recognise the impact as it has. And I think that, you know, again, don't want to stress that point too much, but very often people are very quick to sort of jump in and say, oh, no, 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 banter's good, banter's good. But without actually stopping and really understanding what those kind of examples of it are. And then we want people themselves to be able to, you know, create some, if you like, some guidelines for for how that's going to be done. This also can broaden out that whole thing about, you know, what is um, respectful behaviour? Well, how do we create those inclusive workplaces? And one of the the techniques that we work with many of our clients to do and proves to be very, very successful is for us to facilitate the team themselves to create often, you know, 10 to 12 bullet points, which sum up how the team want to be with one another. It was interesting you commented about, you know, feeling able to make a mistake. And that's something that we make that link to as well, because if people feel uncomfortable and think they're going to be ridiculed, of course, they're less likely to raise making, you know, making a mistake. We actually say, you know, one of the traits of a high performing team is where people feel comfortable to immediately admit to making a mistake. So that's often something that we will draw into the conversation and get people to realize because it's a very good link that you made earlier in that way so we want that organize you know we want the team we want the people themselves to have identified how is it how do we want to work going forward and that's actually that document that is some people call it the team charter some people call it how we'll go work together going forward something like that but it's something owned by them and we find it's a very strong retention tool as well we encourage people then to have those regular conversations and refresh it and keep making sure that everybody understands it and everybody then can respond and behave in the way that the team charter describes i think that's really interesting isn't it because it's although it's some people might see this as oh they're laying down rules for how we interact in the workplace and immediately resisting that. Actually, where it's a collective exercise, it actually brings people together because then you are agreeing as a team. 
these are how this is how we want to operate. You're also picking up for those people in the team who may not be comfortable with things where the kind of boundary lies on how far people can go with their banter. And I think it it, it leads to, as you say, I think um, greater retention, but I can see potentially perhaps teams that are happier will be more productive. And it may also lead, you know, a challenge we have in the law when we touched on mistakes, that in a, in a safe team where people feel safe, then they're more likely to speak up when they're struggling with their mental health or they've made a mistake and they feel able to go and speak to someone. And I think that management piece around, it also, I think, feeds into having effective supervision is that you're having that opportunity where, say, you do have a team charter around banter or an agreement about things. Um, but if there are challenges to that, that in your catch up with your manager, you're going to feel more empowered to say, you know what, although we've got this team charter, X said Y, and I really felt uncomfortable about that. It gives people a voice and an opportunity and a mechanism, really, to challenge this behaviour, which they didn't have before. I, I agree entirely. And key things again about, you know, that opportunity to speak one-to-one with our manager and things like that. And yes, that, that, that link, we worry very much that if people are feeling on the end of a bad banter, of course, you know, they are so less likely to feel comfortable in speaking up about something which, you know, they need to share, but that environment must be right to give them the confidence to do so. Be able to do that. And so what, you know, particular responsibility do you think leaders have uh, when we're talking about banter? Uh, without sounding the cheesy expression, you know, it is about leading from the front, but it really is key that they understand how to role model. And when we're working with an organisation, we always want to start with that top team, because, again, what we want them to recognise is it's OK to feel, like, oh, yes, of course, I support our inclusion policy. Of course, I do this. Of course, I do that. And then they make some throwaway quip that they think is funny. And they're not themselves able to see the impact of that. So, you know, when we do work with a a senior team, mostly they are very open then and they want to learn as well um, and think about it. And then we actually get them to sort of say, well, how are you going to support each other in the top team to do this? And crucially as well, how are you going to challenge one another if you're not thinking that a colleague is behaving as they should. And I must admit, a lot of senior teams, or a lot of teams anyway, but particularly senior teams, find that a very interesting discussion. It often opens up a lot about the giving and receiving of feedback. But it is essential that a top team are individually and collectively role modelling what we mean by this. I think that's a really key point there, isn't it? That, That it's in practice, these conversations are difficult. And we're not equipped usually well in workplaces to have challenging conversations. And I think the point you make here is that we're not you're not expected to just be able to do this. But with support and training and discussing it with colleagues, then you will feel more empowered to be able to challenge that behavior in others or your peers if you're a senior leader as well, because these things don't come easily. But by understanding them and having that training, it just makes it a bit easier. And then thinking about individuals is, you know, what responsibility do we have as people in a workplace to reflect on our own behavior and how we can call out inappropriate banter when we see it? 
Mm. Again, um, great question, Elizabeth. And I think, again, that key thing is what we talk to organisations about is all of us have two responsibilities. And the first one, exactly what you said, a willingness, and I think that's a key thing as well, a willingness to reflect on our own behaviour. Now, I've been working in this area many years now, but I always recognise as well, I could say something without realising myself that it's made somebody feel uncomfortable. So I really want to maintain that constant willingness to reflect. But I also want, and that other responsibility as we talk to people, is that if you feel uncomfortable in any way, you will do something about it. Now, if you could see me now, my arms would be as spread as wide as I can to make this point. That doing something about it could be you yourself as the individual, just one-to-one, speaking to the person that's made you feel uncomfortable, dealing with it, that's it. But of course, there are a whole range of very understandable reasons why an individual may not feel comfortable in doing that. So right at the other end, all we would say to somebody is the responsibility is to go and talk to somebody that can then do something about this. So we really, really, and, and you know, as we've talked to organisations over the years about that, people have accepted that and got that because that gives them that full remit. What we are just urging them to do is don't just sit there and feel you have to put up with this. Absolutely not. Go, as I say, and and find somebody that then can take this situation forward. And I think by having those two responsibilities, you know, that's a key starting point to truly creating that environment where people do feel more comfortable with all of this. I think that's a... A critical message, isn't it, that if you are experiencing this, don't just experience it in silence. Go and speak to someone because it will be impacting your mental health. It'll be impacting the way you feel about yourself, the work that you do. Um, and it's it's hard to manage that. So is reach out and speak to someone who will be able to do something. And of course, if you're struggling with somebody in the workplace that can listen, you can always contact Law Care. We provide a safe space for people to talk about things that are concerning them. And we do get calls from people who are on the receiving end of banter that, that, that they find difficult. I think, you know, what's been so enlightening about our conversation, Stella, is it's really raising awareness about something that happens every single day in every workplace, but we haven't, I don't think we generally talk about it. And in the whole dialogue around building inclusive and diverse workplaces, I haven't seen much reference to banter, yet it's such an integral part of people's daily lives. And that that awareness about it and understanding that not everybody can appreciate all banter and that it can be excluding is so important for organizations and individuals to take on board as a way of really reflecting on how we genuinely embed healthy working cultures where people feel they can come to work, be themselves, be respected for who they are and not feel that they're being excluded or undermined. Um, So I want to thank everyone for listening. If you uh, have an opportunity, it'd be terrific if you could please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast to help more people find out about Law Care and what we do. And if you need emotional support, you can contact Law Care on our helpline, which is 0800 
279 6888 or visit our website lawcare.org.uk.